The reading from tonight is from Exodus chapter 33, verses 1 through 3 and 12 through 23. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Depart, go from here, you and the people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt. So the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, because you are an obstinate people, and I might destroy you on the way. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways, that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, In your pre- If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken. For you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you, and you will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. Then the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and you shall stand there on the rock. And it will come about, while my glory is passing by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. The word of the Lord. So, me and Jeff Martinez, wait, I'm sorry, that's not proper grammatically. Jeff Martinez and me. Um, well, well, anyway, so in fourth grade, well, you know, we were never really like friends. We'd gone to school together since first grade. I mean, you know how there are other people in your life that you just like know your whole life but never really like talk to? That's what it was like with me and Jeff Martinez. Until one day in the fourth grade, we were all, we were sitting next to each other in this, in our reading group, and Mrs. Ferguson said that she had to excuse herself, and that she would be right back, and Jeff Martinez just looks at her and makes this finger gesture pointing at her and says, keep on trucking. And I was like, I couldn't believe that he did it. It caught me off guard. And 
I thought it was the funniest, most clever thing I had ever heard in my life. I was, like, amazed. It was, like, hilarious. I could not stop laughing. I was just like, you know. And even Mrs. Ferguson just kind of gave him an annoyed look and then left. And <laughs> I was just like that kind of laughing where you're, like, you just, you, it's, it's out of control. Like, you're, you know, folding your body over. You're like, uh, you just can't stop. You can barely breathe. This, this laughing that kind of gets away from you. I don't know. It just like took me by surprise. <laughs> I was just like, and then maybe because I was laughing so much, Jeff Martinez, he did it again. He's like, keep on trucking. <laughs> I was just like, keep on trucking. <laughs> like shaking my head, like keep, keep on trucking. Like how could a fourth grader be so cool? You know, I mean, how could they have even, who could think of such a thing? I mean, it had everything. It had the finger thing. It had the, like, keep on trucking part. Like, I just, like, I mean, I just remember being amazed, you know? Like, keep on trucking. <laughs> and so I asked him, I was like, man. I said, man, you know, I was trying to be cool. Fourth grader, too. I was like, man. <laughs> man, that is funny. Keep on trucking. <laughs> And then we just started talking, you know. We started talking, and he told me all about this comic book that his brother had that had this keep on trucking comic in it. Like, evidently, he didn't invent it. I, um, and he showed me even how to draw this keep on trucking cartoon. And we talked, and we talked about all kinds of things. And then at lunch, even, we sat together. And then at recess, we played together. And we could not believe that we had never been friends before. I mean, it just seems, like, shocking that to tell this, we weren't, we, we decided that we were going to always be friends. Always be friends. That we were going to be best friends. You know? We were going to be best friends and, and like, you know, probably forever and ever we'd be best friends. And we'd like even probably always go to the same school. And even probably when we were old, we would get a house maybe and live together and have a big poster on the wall that says, you know, keep on trucking, and, uh, and, and then I decided, you know, it's like Friday, you know, so I was like, um, hey, you should come over to my house after school, and then we can, you know, draw the Keep On Trucking comic, because, you know, I have all kinds of drawing stuff, yeah, and he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, and then I said, you know, you know what, you should sleep over, you should sleep over, do you think your mom and dad would let you sleep over, and Jeff Martinez was like, yeah, you know, I can call her from your house, and I know she'll say yes. And then when the bell rang at the end of the day, I was like, uh, me and Jeff Martinez, you know, we went up to Mrs. Ferguson, I told her, guess what? Me and Jeff Martinez are best friends. We're best friends now. And like, he said, yeah, yeah, we are. And I was like, and he's coming over to my house, and he's going to sleep over at my house. And then we said, keep on trucking, and we left, and we cracked up. <laughs> we cracked up, and we walked home the whole way, talking, and when we got to my house, we went inside, and my mom was in the kitchen, and, uh, you know, we went in there, and I said, hey, mom, this is Jeff Martinez. I threw my arm around him, and guess what? He's my best friend, and, 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 and he came over to hang out, and, and, and then he's going to sleep over, and then Jeff Martinez said, no, I'm not. And he turned and left. That was it. I didn't really talk to Jeff Martinez again. It was like the oddest thing. It was like, I don't remember being super hurt, but more like, what just happened? Like shocked. And I never even really 
remember seeing him around much after that. I don't know. It was like we had this whole day of the promise of intense and ongoing best friendship. But then I guess after living it for a little while, Jeff Martinez just like reconsidered it and thought, no, this is not that good after all. So after a lot of intense experiences together, you know, what with the uh, getting together at the burning bush and the plagues and the pharaoh and the Passover and that dramatic fleeing through the parted sea, the momentum sort of stalled out or maybe shifted. Maybe it shifted, you know, like things aren't really going that well anymore. It seems like maybe God and Moses have realized their grand experiment has not worked out that great. Like, this whole thing is kind of a mess now, you know? Like, they've been trying to figure it all out, make the relationship between God and the people, like, official. Some, like, official, you know? Like, I will be your God and you will be my people, that sort of thing. But after the people go and they make the golden calf and they worship the golden calf and they have a big party after the golden calf debacle. Moses kind of loses it and smashes the stone tablets that he and God worked on so hard. God begins to rethink his involvement at this point. God clearly feels some obligation, having brought these people out of Egypt and into the deserts, having promised them their own land. But at this point, it seems like God's not really even sure that he likes these people. You know? Maybe it was the rejection, or maybe it's just like what seemed like a good idea at the time, or on paper, you know, sometimes put into practice just uh, doesn't work out. I mean, being with these people all the time, it's just not maybe how God thought it would be. And honestly, the people, they don't really seem that satisfied with the Lord either, you know? I mean, God is actually kind of scary, and kind of moody, and a little distant, You know, God is not nearly as fun as a golden calf party. They are sure of that. So God, God finally decides. God decides that God will not, God will send them ahead to the land he promised them, but God will not be going with them for the rest of the journey. You know, God says that he tells Moses he's going to send an angel ahead of them instead. An angel will go ahead of you now because I can't do it anymore, he says. If I went with you, God says, I would consume you. We wouldn't make it out of the driveway. Moses is like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? Moses pleads with God, saying, that was not the deal. That was not the deal. These are your people. An angel is not what we bargained for. An angel is not the same. This whole thing won't work if you don't come with us. The people want you there. They want you present. They want your presence. I want your presence. So God is okay. God says, okay. God gives in. I mean, although it seems a little cryptic, he says, my presence will go, God tells Moses. And Moses, having gained a little ground there, pushes further. Moses pleads again. He wants more of God than he's been getting. He pleads with God. He says, now, show me your face. 
Let me see your glory. As if he's saying, it's like he's saying to God, look, we've been through a lot together. And we're going to go through a lot more together. And I don't even really know you that well. I don't even know what you look like. And you're asking a lot of me, of these people, can't you just show me your face? Let me see your glory. And God's well-known reply is, no one can see my face and live. God offers this other cryptic response, like a counteroffer, an alternative to face the face. God says, look, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will be gracious, and I will show you mercy, but you cannot see my face, because nobody can see my face and live. God comes up with this plan. He says, God, God says he's going to put Moses in like the crag of a rock, and then God's going to cover Moses with his hand, and then he's going to pass by and shield Moses so he can't see his glory in his face, and then just take his hand off at the end so Moses will be able to see his backside. Moses can only see the backside of God's glory. What exactly is that all about? I mean, it doesn't seem unreasonable to want to be assured of God's presence. It doesn't seem unreasonable to actually want to know, to actually see. What exactly is this message that God is sending to Moses? That God is not ready for that kind of intimacy face-to-face? Is it an insult to Moses, you know? Because, you know, maybe God's still a little bit hurt about the rejection and not quite ready to make up completely. Or maybe is there actually some truth to the whole no one can see my face and live thing? Or maybe it's just the writer trying to figure out what it means or if it's even possible to comprehend God's presence or to perceive God's glory. Maybe like what Moses sees, that backside of God's glory, maybe that might be something like maybe the wake of God's glory or the residual effect of God's full frontal passing by. It's as if Moses and all of us and all of humanity like have no ability to comprehend the fullness of God, but only the resulting impact of God's presence in the world and in history in the lives of God's people. What if maybe we can live in the wake of God's glory? And we can maybe see the ripple of God's glory through creation and through our relationships. We can see the mercy and the love. And we might maybe be able to glimpse the mystery of God's presence maybe in this meal.